You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour two underway on this Friday from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Doug Lacey's Basement Systems cracked foundation, Boeing foundation walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Hour one. All things Shohei Otani. Normally, it's a very easy intro to the show. Flames won last night. Talk about the game. Dustin Wolf. No, none of that. At least not yet. We'll get to it. But all you wanted to talk about in hour one was Shohei Otani. So we did. Cam's tracking the flight. Taylor's called the restaurant that they're going to tonight. It's all very exciting. And now, to kick off hour two, we head down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. And we go live to Toronto to chat with Matt Marchese. Matt, what's the latest on Shohei Otani? That's what we're talking about today, right? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, what else are we going to talk about? There's literally nothing else going on that matters more than one of the biggest international stars potentially arriving in Toronto. You know, Logo, I want to I want to say something because you talked about um, you know, Cam's tracking the flight and Taylor called the restaurant. I told this story to, to Donovan today when the whole Kawhi Leonard thing was happening and there was that report that, you know, he was spotted at uh, a convenience store in California and, you know, and, and there was a picture and somebody's like, no, it's old. And then, so I called the, the convenience store in which it was reported that he was at and I confirmed it and <laughs> The hate that I got on social media was incredible. I got called every name in the book. How dare you do this? This is why he doesn't want to be here for because of people like you. And I, like, oh my, I became a pariah in literally like 20 minutes. Um, so I will not be calling any restaurant. I will be not, not be doing any investigative work. I get enough hate for my football takes. Yeah. I don't need to be called all the other things. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's certainly an interesting time. And, you know, when uh, I, I was, uh, Merrick and I had this conversation as well, just about, you know, the, the magnitude of an international star like this coming to, to, I don't even say Toronto. I say to Canada because – we know it's the only team in Canada. We're all very aware of that. But I think that's part of the allure for a guy like Shohei Otani. Conquered Japan, conquered the United States, and now going to conquer Canada. Like, that's, a, that's, a, that's not an insignificant thing. So I'm very much looking forward to it. It would be such a Toronto thing, though, if he's not on that flight. Everybody did the tracking, <laughs> and he's just not there. And the whole thing about the restaurant was just a ploy. Like, I'm waiting for every possible scenario, but hopefully he ends up signing with the Jays. The latest that I can tell you from a, a trusted MLB source that came out literally as we were calling Maddie, uh, John Morosi, who's been on this for MLB Network, he tweeted out three minutes ago, uh, sources say Otani en route to Toronto today. 
No word of that plane is the plane that it's happening with, but he says a representative of his agency, CAA, would not comment when asked about Otani's travel plans. At this point, he does not have a signed agreement with any MLB team, but the source telling him he is on his way to Toronto that three minutes ago has over 2,000 retweets and over 4,000 likes from John Morosi of MLB Network. Just to give you... Uh, an idea of how crazy this thing's getting, Maddie. Okay, so basically, he's land. He's supposed to. Well, oh, sorry, say he. Uh, the plane is supposed to be landing at four thirty Eastern, so in about twenty five minutes. Um, I really hope that he doesn't get to the airport and see the traffic around. Because if he does, he's just gonna be like, you know what? LA's a lot warmer at this time of year. I might just want to take a flight back there. And uh, thanks, but no thanks. I really hope that he does not get the traffic around there. And thankfully, it's not snowing because we know how stupid people get uh, when it starts to snow and they've forgotten how to drive, even though, you know, I'm preaching to the choir. You guys have (laughs) snow like eight months of the year in Calgary, sometimes in the summer. And you know what? You say that and we got a huge dump of snow in the last 24 hours and we've barely had any snow here in Calgary for the majority of the winter. It's been absolutely insane. And but now you're right. Snow is back, and we have all uh, once again forgotten how to drive. So we're we're back into the winter conditions. It does feel like hockey season again, though. It, it certainly does. Yeah, um, and it does feel like that weird late time in the year of football season where you get those nasty games like at Lambeau or at Highmark Stadium uh, in Buffalo where the weather's just horrible, and you're like, yeah, these games look like a lot of fun, and you're like, that's ah, really not fun. It's bad football. No. Uh, speaking of bad football, uh, we could have started that off. I mean, look, I don't know that 2118 was a uh, Picasso by any means, but it's certainly a lot more points than any of us uh, predicted we would see last night between the Patriots and the Steelers. New England winds up doing a big favor to Chicago, who owns that pick from Carolina. Did last night say more to you about the Patriots or the Steelers, Maddie? Oh my God. Uh, that's a tough one. I mean, I think what we learned is that the Steelers might be a lot better off with Kenny Pickett, which is frightening to say, but in the same breath they're what it's proven to us is they've lost to bad teams in back-to-back weeks. They lost to Arizona last week. They lose to the Patriots this week. And the weird thing about that game was, was even at 21, three, I'm watching it and I'm saying like, there's no way Pittsburgh's going to lose this one still, right? I, I know New England jumped out to a big lead, but there's no way that, that this is really going to happen, right? And it, and, and it did. Um, and I think what it's told us is if you do not have a competent offense in today's NFL, then you are in deep trouble. And we look at, you know, the, the Steelers are pretty much the prime example because – it's not like it's an offense that is devoid of talent. Deontay Johnson's a really good receiver. George Pickens is a really good receiver. Pat Fryer makes a really good tight end. Uh, we can we can kind of banter back and forth on, on Najee Harris, but Jalen Warren looks like he's going to be a, a really good back as well, and he's certainly proven that he can be. So it all comes down to can you put together a creative offense? We talk about – you know, the, the four, they had a, um, a goal to go situation and they run a toss to Hayward and he tries to throw it into the end zone to Darnell Washington. It's like, 
we're really putting it into the hands of two tight ends that aren't even your number one tight end. Like these are the types of crazy things that happen. Now, having said all that, the Steelers got screwed yesterday. They really did that false start penalty on the, the long snapper. And I know a lot of people were talking about how Bill Belichick kind of put the bug in the official's ear that they were doing this, but I mean, it wasn't illegal what he did. They've been doing that for years and it doesn't get called all of a sudden there's a bit of a, a microscope on the officials now. I'm not a bit, a lot because of single game betting and the NFL's relationship with gambling companies. So I, I did think that the Steelers deserved a better fate on that call, but they certainly didn't play well enough consistently throughout that game in order to get a win. And that's kind of been the story of them all season defense plays well enough to win and the offense can't score 20 points like that. That's been, that's been the case all year. And, you know, we can blame Matt Canada for a lot of things, but Matt Canada hasn't been there the last two weeks and they've lost two games. So this is, it's a bad look. And what it's done now is it's really kind of opened up that AFC playoff race even more for teams, you know, like the bills, the Broncos, um, the Bengals who are all at six and six and they look at this and go, well, we're in this because, you know, if Houston loses this week, if uh, the Colts lose this week, the Browns lose this week, there's a lot of different factors here and it, it really does open things up without loss. Does this say anything about the Patriots in your mind or are we just kind of going through the paces as this team finishes out the season and we still know regardless of them picking up their third win of the year or not, that they're going to have to see some major changes this offseason. Major changes might even be, you know, with the head coach slash GM and Bill Belichick. And we know that they're going to take a quarterback with their first pick because it's going to be a high one. And if they don't, then I don't know what the heck the Patriots are doing. <laughs> this is what, what, the, what a, is happening here is a lot of guys are playing for jobs down the stretch. Like Bailey Zappi made a, a, a great that was a great audition for him to be the backup quarterback for this team next year. He's not going to be the starter. He's probably going to be a backup. And if he's not a backup in new England, well, he could be a backup somewhere else. And so I think it's just a lot of auditioning, you know, Ezekiel Elliott last night. I don't know how Ezekiel Elliott got 29 touches last night, but he did. Um, and he turned it into 140 yards. He's a guy who's on a one-year deal playing for a contract, whether it's in New England or somewhere else. So when you're when you have a team that's this bad, I don't know what else you can really learn. Like, do we think that Juju Smith-Schuster is a better or worse receiver after the performance that we saw last night? Do we think that Hunter Henry is a better or worse tight end after, you know, 70 yards and two touchdowns? We're not making any bold proclamations on any of these guys. They're literally just playing out the string and, and trying to, you know, help themselves for next year, whether on the Patriots or, or someone else. The, the biggest question when it comes to the Patriots is who's going to be running the team as the GM, as the head coach, that's going to be the one. And I know that um, one of the players last night, I think it was, I think it was Jabril Peppers. And he said that, you know, we really wanted to win this one for Bill Belichick. I don't think anybody has ever said that about <laughs> Bill Belichick. So maybe he's also trying to keep a job or, you know, wherever Bill goes, he wants to go with them. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's a lot of just play the string out, play as hard as you can try and be better because a lot of these guys, they don't care about the draft pick that's coming in. Cause a lot of them may not be there next year. A hundred percent. And it's going to be interesting to see. We haven't 
we haven't really seen this in New England in a very long time, but it feels like this is going to be the first time that they're going to have to look at some really, really fundamental changes to that group because uh, they dressed three wide receivers last night, Maddie. And look, I know they picked up the win, but I don't think that's a recipe for success most nights. Oh, no, it's not. When I saw that they were starting three receivers and literally the only other person that had a carry was Bailey Zappi with three, that was as much of a disaster in terms of roster construction as I've ever seen. That's like when you play video games and you're like, well, I've got six guys hurt uh, and they're wide receivers, so I'm just going to play these three guys and hope that I don't have to play an offensive lineman at wide receiver because I'm probably not going to win that battle. That's really what it felt like last night. And they managed to pull out a win. So I don't know if it's the genius of Bill Belichick. I doubt it. And I think it's more the Steelers kind of just shot themselves in the foot last night. Uh, Moving on to the Sunday slate of games. uh, We're getting some injury news of, as we always do on Friday, ahead of the Sunday games. How surprised are you that Trevor Lawrence is going to be a game-time decision for the game against the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. Logo, you know that I am a betting man, and I would have uh, not, uh, uh, it wouldn't be very comical to my wife, but I would have bet my house (laughs) that Trevor Lawrence would not have been anywhere near the field on Sunday. And the fact that he's a game-time decision tells me one of two things. One, the Jacksonville Jaguars are scared of the teams that are chasing them in the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans. That's one. And that's with a one-game lead in the division on both of those teams. The other thing is, is that this is a very big mismanagement of an injury. In my opinion, we saw what happened when Joe Burrow came back too early and played on one leg. It wasn't pretty. It didn't work out well. And you could have looked at the schedule with some of the games that they played and said, well, they were going to lose those anyway. Not that I think that they're going to lose to the Browns with Trevor Lawrence, but I think they can beat the Browns as currently constructed without Trevor Lawrence. So the fact that you have you still have the one game cushion, maybe allow him to get healthy and he's healthy enough to play the Ravens next week. That's where my head's at. Because after the Ravens, the schedule opens up a little bit for them. And there's you know a chance where, you know, Trevor Lawrence doesn't have to be at eighty percent or seventy-five percent in order to win that game. Here's the the, the big picture of this. What happens if Trevor Lawrence goes out and re-injures this ankle? It's not as if it was, you know, this mild ankle sprain. It was a high ankle sprain. He got folded up on it. It looks like he, it looks like he almost blew out his knee. And so that's, that's, where, that's where I look at this and say, I'm really not a big fan of bringing him back this early. It just it kind of reeks of desperation for me with the Jaguars. Yeah, it's a bit worrisome at, at eight and four that they'd be willing to jump him in there so fast. And look, I get it. You've got the Colts and the Texans right on your heels, and Houston's got the Jets this week. Indy's got Cincinnati, so they're probably both favored this week. But I don't know. I'm always so cautious with with you, like uh, Maddie, in that sense that I, I don't know. I feel like rushing him back is, you know, is isn't the big picture look at this, even if it's just a week. For the guy, he's already coming off of a short week for Monday Night Football, and, and you're going to rush him back in on a short week in a situation against a really good Browns defense. Like, I mean, I'm sure Miles Garrett is absolutely in love with the fact that the guy he's supposed to be chasing around all night's probably on a bummed ankle. But I don't know that you can put your quarterback in that position if you're the Jags. I don't think so either. And you mentioned the Miles Garrett thing. Like, that's like 
he's just licking his chops. That's, that's like the hunter who is going after the wounded animal at this point, right? Like, I'm not a hunter, but I, I'm pretty sure I have an idea of, yeah, it may not make the game as much fun, but you look at it and go, mm, that's an easy target for me. And that's exactly what Miles Garrett's thinking. I, I, you know, the Jaguars under Doug Peterson have made a lot of really good decisions. They've, they, it got better because, you know, when Urban Meyer was there, it was a disaster. And they bring Doug Peterson in, and, and he's the adult in the room, so to speak. But this is a bad one. I, I just... Even if Trevor Lawrence ends up going out there and plays well enough, but even if there's a nagging injury there, do we really look at the Jag and the rest of the team? Now also without Christian Kirk, let's, let's add to that as well. Do we look at this team and say, if Trevor Lawrence is 75 or 80% going into the playoffs, we think that they can make a Super Bowl run. That answer is no. Like he has not, he's not Patrick Mahomes, last year playing on on the bum leg Patrick Mahomes beat the Jaguars on a bum leg and then Chad Henney had to come in and and we know the rest of that story but I I just look at this and say this is a guy that not only are you going to ride the rest of this season hopefully healthy but also a guy that you're going to have to invest in very quickly do you really want to be damaging that asset especially considering this guy is very young in his career and you hope that he's your quarterback for the next 10 years or whatever it is. I, I just, I don't like these kinds of moves. I, I made it very clear that I didn't like how the borough thing was handled by Cincinnati, but I guess in a, in a kind of roundabout way logo, it just tells us how desperate some of these franchises are for not only playoff games, but playoff wins. And maybe they're not confident that they're a guarantee to get in. If Trevor Lawrence isn't playing in the games, because they don't believe in, you know, C.J. Beathard who's behind them. Yeah, that's always the funny thing to me is these franchises go for so long without getting a franchise quarterback and they live with the, the middle of the pack quarterback and then they finally get their guy, Maddie, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, we're going to throw him out there no matter what because we got to get a playoff game in here. And you're like, I don't know, isn't 10 years, like you said, isn't 10 years of Trevor Lawrence more important than – this season of Trevor Lawrence, but they just want to get in so badly and want to be part of that conversation when the playoffs roll around that it just seems to get so short-sighted all of a sudden. Well, that's how bad organizations stay bad, right? Is, is well, decisions fair. like that, that, that put your, your quarterback and his health in jeopardy. Um, what, is, what is it? The, uh, the bleep around and find out? Well, there might bleep around and find <laughs> out here. Yeah. That's going to be one to, uh, to watch for, for sure. Uh, we'll see a game-time decision right now for Trevor Lawrence ahead of the Jags and the Cleveland Browns coming up on Sunday. Uh, Chiefs going to be without uh, Isaiah Pacheco as they head into a matchup with the Bills. This is, of course, uh, a big one. We've seen these teams in a couple of playoff battles, Maddie. I'm sorry it hasn't always gone uh, the way for your Bills. But this is a big one for, for the Buffalo Bills if they want to stay in this playoff race. All of a sudden, it's 6-6. Six and six. They can't really afford a loss, but you hard to say that when you're going in against the chiefs who are always good. Well, I, I appreciate your condolences um, because, you know, I, I've been dealing with this uh, a long time when it comes to the bills, but I look at the guys that are out. So you mentioned Isaiah Pacheco, uh, Drew Tranquil, starting linebacker. He's out uh, defensive back, Brian cook. He's out uh, Donovan Smith, offensive tackle. He's out. The bills are coming off the bye. The Bills should be at least, a little bit healthier in terms of 
the guys that are not currently on the injured reserve. It sounds like they might even be getting Dawson Knox back, which I know he's had some pretty egregious drops, but still a good player for them and another weapon in this offense. There's no excuses here for them. Um, they can't, they cannot lose this game. It's to the point where, and I know, I know that, you know, people look at this and say, well, it's the bills are going up against the chiefs, but this is not the chiefs that we've seen over the past couple of years. And the chiefs that we have seen over the last few years with Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback, Josh Allen in the regular season has beaten them twice at Arrowhead through for 315 yards in one game and three touchdowns through for 329 yards in the next game three touchdowns and he didn't turn the ball over once we've had conversations about this on the show josh allen plays to the level of the opposing quarterback it feels like in a lot of cases now is that always a good thing no because we've seen what happens you know when he tries to play against zach wilson in the monday nighter after aaron Rodgers gets hurt wasn't pretty but josh allen has the ability to take over a game we saw that in the eagles game and he's going to have to do that. There's no question about that. Um, Donovan gave a stat out on the show today, and I want to say it was the, the Chiefs, when they've allowed 20 points or more this season, are 0-5. Do you ever think that you would hear that about a Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid-led team? Because I know I sure didn't. Nope. Um, when you break this game down with the injuries that the Chiefs have, and I know the Bills have key ones. We've, you and I have talked about this. Sorry, that's my daughter trying that's to provide right. analysis for the game. <laughs> uh, Abigail, would you like to say hi to Logo? Is that what you want to do? Um, and so I look at this game and I say, the Bills just, they match up better against the Chiefs. No Isaiah Pacheco is a massive loss for the Chiefs because, and I think you'll agree with this, he's been the most consistent offensive player on that team. That includes Travis Kelsey, that includes Patrick Mahomes, Isaiah Pacheco. I would be so curious to see where the Chiefs would be without Isaiah Pacheco and the season that he's had so far. So for me, I don't see a scenario where the Bills lose this. I mean, I see a scenario where they lose this game, of course, but they shouldn't <laughs> lose this game. I know it's on the road. I know it's an arrowhead, but you're coming off the bye. You've got, you're a little bit healthier. You've had an extra week with the new offensive coordinator, maybe to implement a couple of different things. You're getting healthier on defense. These are all things that go in the favor of the Bills. And the Chiefs, frankly, have not been good enough on offense that even if you're the Bills defense, which hasn't been great over the course of the call it last six games, seven games, this is as good a situation as you can go into considering that you have one less weapon to worry about in Isaiah Pacheco. So this really could be the season for Buffalo. As much as I hate to say it, I mean – Maybe 10 and seven gets you into the playoffs, but I can almost guarantee you that 11 and six does. Yeah, uh, for sure. I, I don't think that's in doubt uh, in any way, shape, or form. It's one of the games we're looking forward to. It's a 225 kickoff Calgary time. Uh, Maddie, before we let you go here, I always love asking you this. Uh, obviously, aside from the Bills and the Chiefs, you look at the Sunday slate of games, maybe even the doubleheader on Monday night. Uh, what catches your eye on the week 14 schedule? I really am intrigued by the Dallas-Philly matchup, and I know that's kind of the chalk answer, but it's gonna, it should be a really good football game. We talk about two teams with really good offenses, and as much as it's kind of weird to say, two defenses that have a lot to prove. I know that the Eagles got trounced the last time we saw them against the Niners, and that was 
not that it was expected, but it did show that the Eagles defense is certainly not as elite as it was last year. I and mean, even the week before against the Bills, it's the same conversation. But the interesting one for me is the other side of the field, and that's the Dallas defense. They have not played well against good offenses. We saw the Seahawks absolutely light them up on, in the Thursday nighter. And it was one of those games where you're going, I really don't think that Seattle is going to be able to keep up, but they did. It's the same conversation we had after the Niners. They, they dominated the Cowboys um, in San Francisco. Like it, it's one of those things where you look at it and say, Dallas's defense has really feasted on bad teams and they have something to prove here because they have the Eagles this week. They have the bills next week. It's not as if they're going up against offenses that are not good. They're going up against offenses that are good. And those are the types of teams that you're going to play in the playoffs, elite offenses in a lot of cases. So if you can't keep up, then maybe the Dallas defense isn't going to be the reason why this team wins, which is what a lot of people thought after the first three or four weeks. I also think that this one is a season-defining game for Dak Prescott. If he goes out and has a monster performance against the Eagles in such a big game, Dak Prescott's going to win the MVP. If he doesn't, then it's going to change the narrative on his entire season, and we're not going to be having that conversation. Nobody will be saying that Dak Prescott is going to win the MVP if he goes out and has a mediocre to below-average game against what is a really good uh, Eagles team in terms of putting up points, if the Eagles defense shut them, shut the Cowboys down and Dak Prescott, I think we can kiss the Dak Prescott MVP conversation goodbye. Maddie, great stuff as always. Uh, too bad we missed you last week, but glad to have you back on your uh, regular Friday slot this week. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, enjoy the parade. Uh, if indeed Shohei does land in Toronto in the next couple hours, hey? I thought you were going to tell me to enjoy the, the beaten Santa Claus parade that's going on here Saturday. I was going to say, Logo, do you know a little bit more about my life than I thought? Uh, yes, I will absolutely enjoy the parade if Shohei comes to Toronto. Uh, it will be fantastic. Thanks, as always, for having me on, pal, and uh, enjoy the weekend of games. The good news for you, Maddie, is uh, I'm not stalking you nearly as much as I'm stalking Shohei Otani right now. So. <laughs> I appreciate that. Have a good weekend, pal. Take care. You too. Matt Marchese joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Guest hotline from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto and host of the fan Checkdown show every day here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. We're wrapping up the show around the corner. It's Sportsnet today here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Guys. Yes. The plane has landed. Oh, my God. That plane. That may or may not contain Shohei Otani. To bring him to Toronto, to his new homeland. It didn't pivot. It did not pivot. All you negative Nancys on the text line earlier. You can just go to Toronto and just pivot right. Go to Nope, not go to New York. It is in Toronto. There's a chance that no one's on that plane. It's Radko Gudis. But I choose stop that. <laughs> We're on the precipice of one of the biggest free agent signings of all time. And my producers are over there going, 
It's probably just Radko Gudis being traded from the Ducks to the Leafs. Leafs need blue line help. It's it makes sense. Yeah, that's you know what, and I'm <laughs> sure they chartered a private plane. <laughs> okay, in my a defense, ten million dollar private plane for Radko Gudis. In my defense, I'm just reading off tweets to Cam, and he is having the time of his life. I'm rolling with it. I'm just I'm ready for something to drop so we can stop just like okay when's the news gonna come it's gonna happen I, I i need it to be later in the day or the week or whatever when this is all done so i can just stop being anxious about it for those of you like sean on the text line at 960960 who are asking what is all this speculation about this aircraft you, you can track air flights online and there's a private there was a private jet going from Anaheim to Toronto that has just landed and as some have pointed out apparently that's not and again I'm not the expert on flight paths apparently it's not a very common route 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 and the speculation is that this is Shohei Otani on his way to Toronto to sign with the Blue Jays. That's the speculation. Cam has literally not left that website in <laughs> well, 90 minutes. I had to detour a little bit because there was a trade, the NHL, that just happened like 20 minutes ago. But that's, I mean, that's the most important news of the day. So, oh, it's yes. We should be talking about Islanders. Robert, yeah, Robert Bortuzzo. <laughs> To the Islanders is going to break in on Shohei for a twenty twenty four seventh. You know, yeah, I think they could have got a six for him, um, but I'm that's happy they got absolutely. A you are just on the precipice <laughs> of having that mic turned off, young man. <laughs> that's that's how that's the line you're walking. Someone said we need uh, we need boots on the ground. We're gonna take the the drive out to to Toronto to go. No, we have we have boots on the ground. Yeah, just not from this particular station. We have. We have a sister station, Cam. That's right. We're a big Sportsnet family. Hazel May and Jeff Blair and Ben Nicholson-Smith. All the guys are there. They're ready to go. I think this one means specifically at the airport so that we can watch whoever gets off this plane. I have no idea how private airport. I've never been on it, but I don't know that they just allow people to be there. I'm sure there's somebody there. Like, there has to be, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> this, this just continues to go on. <laughs> this one just says, nobody cares about Bortuzzo. Kick that guy off the air. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> there goes my job. Oh, he. This text says, he parachuted into Buffalo and is driving to New York. <laughs> he jumped out Don't of take the place. Don't take this away from us. The latest, I'll give the latest credible source to John Morosi of MLB Network. He's been on this as much as anybody. And about 37 minutes ago, he had tweeted out that sources have told him Otani is en route to Toronto. His agency, CAA, would not comment about his travel plans. And that at the time of this tweet, which was, again, 37 minutes ago, uh, if you're listening live, that Otani does not have uh, a signed agreement with any MLB team. That was the latest from John Morosi. Again, the rest of it, the 
the restaurant booking the plane it's all it's all wonderful speculation at this point but that's the latest from somebody that actually covers the Toronto that actually covers MLB stories like this on a regular basis and yes now i have seen again i don't know who this guy is this is like a a guy that's got a yankees hashtag in his Twitter bio has posted a video supposedly at that private airport of Shohei Otani arriving in Toronto. So I have no idea. We're sitting here like you are just waiting for the news to drop. While we continue to wait, let's get you caught up with the Calgary Flames. Big win for them last night. Comeback win in the third period over the Carolina Hurricanes. We've talked about it enough. I don't know. Even Blake Coleman said it's not it's probably not sustainable. Their luck will have to change. They'll have to get to leading games at some point. But for now, they know they can come back and win games. And that was the case Thursday night at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Now they're getting set for the New Jersey Devils to come in for a matinee game on Saturday to end off this six-game homestand. Let's check in with the head coach. Ryan Huska spoke to the media following Flames practice at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome on Friday. Uh, so, I mean, we, we've talked about your, your starts, but how you've overcome them in recent uh, games. Just how do you, how do you uh, reinforce those lessons on a, on a practice like today? I mean, it's, today it's just about kind of getting on the ice again and making sure that they're, you're, you're focusing on speed and trying to set yourself up for tomorrow because it's an afternoon game. Um, you know, lots of talk about giving up first goals. Eventually that trend shifts, you know, but you have to have the right mindset, as we talked about yesterday, to put your teammates in good positions to allow that to happen. So that's where we'll be for tomorrow. So you do power play drills and, and not just drills in zone, but you're trying to get your zone entries in and, mm-hmm. and playing with pace. What's the key to a good zone entry in order to work in your offense? Um, speed is one thing. I think it starts with the guy that brings the puck up the ice. He has to do a good job of kind of pushing everybody back if you're using a, a drop type entry. And then it's a little bit of deception because uh, a lot of penalty kills are really good if, if, you're, if you're very predictable and you just go in straight lines. It's easy for the penalty kill. So having a little bit of deception on entry and then making sure you finish your routes, whether it's all the way to the goal line or if you're bringing somebody over to the other side, it's just making sure you finish your routes with pace. Talking to the guys, it seems like Tyler Toffoli is someone who everyone's got a lot of admiration and sort of affection for around this building, eh? Yeah, Tyler was a good player for us. There's no doubt about it. Um, he brought a lot of things to our team. He won. He has a, a pedigree about him for sure. Um, and he's got a lot of good friends in our room, but uh, not for tomorrow. Um, having, I mean, he, he was obviously a 30-plus goal scorer for you guys last year. Um, and, and you guys don't necessarily have someone doing that this year. What, has it always been a plan to sort of scoring by committee? Um, that's that's a lot of it. I mean, I, ideally, you've got a line that's dangerous all the time when they go on the ice. But the way we've set ourselves up, it's more like the committee um, approach to it. And when you look at us, our, our defense have done a really good job of generating for us and, and helping pick up some of the slack from you know someone coming out of the lineup like that. Coach, you referred to the other day Sharon Govich as a shot threat on the power play. Yeah. But you look at his play on the Coleman goal last night. Would you say his playmaking ability is... Perhaps something about him that that we're starting to learn about a little bit more. Yeah, he he's a he's a talented player. Like we've mentioned that before, and he can shoot the puck. He can make plays in small areas. He's got a, he's got some creativity to him. Um, what we want to keep seeing him do is work on how hard he is on the puck.
So if there's something that's up for grabs or 50-50, we want him hungrier and harder on it to make sure that he gives himself an opportunity to make those plays. So that's the, that's the push that we have with him right now. Is today the perfect time to announce your starting goalie for tomorrow? Uh, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> is it still a discussion or is this the plan you've had? It's the, well, it, it, no, it's, hey, it's the, it's the plan we've had. Yeah. Is, uh, is Blake angling to get a few more faceoffs? We made jokes about that last night a little bit, so he, he made a comment to Bax that maybe he should just take over in that department. But, uh, I mean, those are the little plays that you need, you know, to win games. So uh, some people might think it's a small detail, but it's a really big one when you have to use a winger to step in and take a face off like that. Did you feel like last game, like that was a game that you, you kind of steadily improved as the night went on? Did mm -hmm. you feel like your game was growing, uh, you know, even though nothing offensively happened in the second that yeah. you were kind of leading to that yeah it, we were getting zone time and like it was starting where we were putting pucks behind them and they kept icing pucks um, and you can see when teams start playing a chip and uh, defend and chip it out game and and just try to change all the time it, it wears teams down and they were coming off a back-to-back -back, which makes it even um, a little bit more difficult for them and I thought by the time the third period came like we kind of found our legs as well how important can it be for guys on the team to have people like Blake or Nas who have gone all the way in one? How important is that presence? Yeah, that's leadership. Um, and your younger guys don't learn how to do things the right way unless there's people like that around. So that's a real big thing. So if you have um, leaders that aren't, you know, maybe don't have an idea of, of what it's like to play a certain time of the year or how you have to raise your level, then the young guys never get to learn that. Um, but I think those two guys, in regards to how they've worked this year, have set a good example for, for some of the younger players around our room. Ryan, when you shorten your bench in the third period, is that all about feel or is there some data involved as well? No, at, at that point, not a lot of data, no. Um, you know, last night, the plan wasn't to take Marty off that line, put Adam there, but Marty blocked that shot uh, and he missed some shifts. Then Adam made good on his opportunity. So I, I think sometimes you have to reward people when they, when they do things the right way. I know you've said that uh, for most players, there's kind of an ideal range of average time on ice per game. One guy who's been getting a bump lately is Noah Hannafin. Is he a player who, with the way he skates, can maybe handle more minutes? Yeah, but fine line, too. Like, anytime you get yourself over that as a defenseman, the 24-minute mark, I think you're flirting with danger a little bit because even though he's such a fluid and efficient skater, um, it, it's hard. They're hard minutes against teams that are, are pressuring or, for example, like a heavy team like Vegas. Those are hard minutes, and they do wear you down. And when you get worn down, it's it's usually this that goes first, right? So you start making um, maybe poor decisions with pucks. So it, it's, it's a very fine line. Like we want to lean on those guys and trust them, but at times um, if they're being asked to play too much, it's – almost has the reverse effect if it is then and the stars that tomorrow which he was today like what's your what's your message to, to him no message like he's he's a good goaltender he knows that so we don't have to we don't have to tell him anything there you go head coach ryan huska addressing the media at the scotia bank saddle dome following flames practice where as you heard dan vladar was in the starters net still no word on who will get the start in goal for the calgary flames when they take on the new jersey devils let's continue Looking on the locker room on Friday, you can hear from Flame Center Elias Lindholm his thoughts uh, ahead of the game against New Jersey and coming off that big win against the Carolina Hurricanes. How did it feel to get the uh, win yesterday? <laughs> oh, it's always good to win, and uh, especially the way we're winning right now. It's uh, it's a fun way, but uh, yeah, I'd like to, to 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 have the lead early on and then then um, go from there. But uh, 
you know, um, you know, get the crowd going, and, and uh, it's always nice to win in the, in the last period. How, what do you guys have to do in order to start off well? We've asked all week about whether it's focus, whether it's execution. What, in your mind, what has to happen? Yeah, I don't know. We talk about it all the time now. I feel like and. Uh, last game we talked about just putting it in deep and, and play simple first five ten minutes and and uh, you know uh, we're just <laughs> we're just in the on the roll here with uh, you know letting in the first goal kind of in the first two three minutes so uh, yeah I don't know uh, we try to talk about it and, and hopefully we can change it tomorrow but uh, uh, I don't have a good answer for you. Facing off against Tyler Tavoli yesterday, obviously played on the line with him a lot. What, do you, what made it easy playing with him? Oh, he's good. He's a goal scorer. Um, you know, um, one of the you know few guys that uh, has that touch. You, you know, he's if he gets a chance, he's gonna put it in back of the net, and you know, good guy too, and and so on. So. Uh, you know, he seems to to find a good good line there too. So um, you know, it's it's always fun and a good challenge for us. He's the, he does seem like a guy that everyone in the locker room had a lot of time for. He does. He does yeah. seem like a good dude. I guess. Yeah, he was good. He was a good guy. I mean, he's he's funny, funny guy, and, and obviously you know uh, got a lot of leadership, won the cup, and, and so on. So uh, yeah, he's uh, he's a great dude. Um, we, we know he scored so many goals for you guys in the past, and, and, and this year now you don't have him here. What's the challenge been like trying to make up for that goal scoring output that he has that he no that you guys no longer have here? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know it's it's more spread out this year. Uh, last year he was uh, you know we had a couple twenty goal scorers, and, and he was uh, 30, 30 plus goal scorers. So I mean, uh, this year I feel like it's more spread out. More more guys are scoring goals, and and. But in a lower amount. But uh, yeah, we're getting contribution for from from more players. When you uh, you you know that you have the ability to win like that, like you did last night. What is there anything said in the second intermission? Is it a pretty calm room after forty, even though you're down by a couple? No, honestly, I think uh, we kind of saw in the second period at the towards the end there they were kind of tired, and and uh, I think everyone felt it. And we talked about it a little bit before the third, and and uh, obviously when you get a goal uh, pretty pretty much right away there, you, you know, uh, you start rolling more, and and you know you start feeling it a little bit better, and they look more tired and so on. So it's uh, it's all mental, and you know, once you got the first one, you feel like you can win, and. Uh, so, um, you know, right now we're on a roll to come back. and, and uh, But, uh, yeah, I would like to play with the lead uh, more often. What are some of the things in Chernobyl's game that helps make your line a better line? It's a lot of speed, uh, a lot of skill. Uh, it's a good shot. and uh, So it's, uh, it's a little bit of everything, I feel like. Um, you know, he's uh, been playing uh, pretty good lately. There you go. Elias Lindholm, Flame Center, checking in following practice on Friday. One more look inside the Flames locker room on this Friday, getting set for the Flames and the Devils on Saturday afternoon. Checking in with Dylan Dubé. It wasn't a positive story for Dylan. Barely saw the ice in the third period. Uh, was on the fourth line with A.J. Greer and Adam Ruzicka and uh, was not part of the rotation in the third period as uh, the head coach. Clearly looking for more out of young Dylan Dubé. Here, uh, here's what Dylan had to say on Friday at the Dome. He played a bunch with Toffoli last year. He's obviously back, so we got to ask about him. I mean, what uh, what made it easy to just play with that guy? Uh, he's a smart player. He's really good. He's played in the league for a long time. and um, you know, He's one of those guys always in the right position. Made it easy for me playing with him. Um, 
Uh, he's a great guy to play with, that's for sure. He seemed also like a guy that I seem to really like. I mean, we're not in the locker room, but he seemed to use a popular guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. Um, you know, he's one of my uh, you know better friends I played played with throughout my career. So um, you know, it's gonna be you know weird playing. It's one of my uh, you know closest guys I was with that I got to play against now. So it's gonna be a little different, but uh, you know he's uh, you know, he's doing well for sure. He was obviously a 30-plus goal scorer last year. This year it feels like the scoring is a little bit more by committee. Is that by design? Yeah, I think it's good, though. It's You see that it's every line's producing right now. It's big moments for sure, like Colton's goal shorthand. It's big moments, which is uh, you know helping us out a ton. You, uh, you know that you can come back and win like that, and yet we're always asking you about starts and stuff like that. What's, what's the balance? It's not a bad thing to win games like that either. How do you how do you balance knowing that you need to get off to better starts, but also knowing that you can win this way? Yeah, you know what? I, you know, I, you know, I got two sifter goals last game, but um, you know, I think the whole game it was a tight game. I don't know if it was two nothing game right off the start. It shouldn't have been, but. You know, I thought I started a whole 60 minutes, pretty good performance, but shows that third period we have to play that way from the start. There you go. Our last check-in from the Flames locker room on a Friday following practice at the Scotiabank Sound. That was Flames forward Dylan Dubame. In the midst of all that Flames conversation, no extra news on Shohei Otani. Uh, we continue to await uh, any sort of pending announcement from the free agent all-star and, of course, all signs right now point to him being a member of the Toronto Blue Jays, but nothing is official right now. A quick reminder, if Blue Jays and Otani news happens to drop, we will go uh, full-on Blue Jays coverage here on Sportsnet 960. We're going to go to a special edition of Blair and Barker coming up next rather than Kipper and Bourne in the usual afternoon slot, so we'll bring you some immediate coverage of what's happening in Toronto right now, but again, nothing is official should that change. Uh, our plans this afternoon will change. Uh, might have to move some things around with Flames Talk. Are supposed to have the Hitman and the Prince Albert Raiders on your radio later tonight. Might have to move some things around with the Hitman pregame show at 6. But uh, just know if any of that news breaks, you can tune in right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. And we will bring you live coverage of it uh, across the uh, Sportsnet 960 airwaves. Saying thank you on a Friday to my outstanding producers Cam and Taylor for their great work. Thank you to our guests this afternoon, James Nichols and Matt Marchese. You missed any of it, check it out on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. Thank you for listening live or on the podcast. Really do appreciate it. Uh, if you sent us a text today at 960-960, uh, talking about Shohei Otani or anything that we talked about on the show today, uh, appreciate that as well. When we return, we'll get you set for a Flames road trip on Monday. We'll react to what we saw between the Flames and the Devils. On Saturday afternoon at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Until then, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Drive safe out on the snowy roads of Calgary. And hopefully when we talk to you Monday, uh, we'll have some Shohei Otani news to talk about with the Toronto Blue Jays. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Blair and Barker are next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.